0: Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name. Sometimes you're just going to have to tell yourself that. Bless the Lord. No matter what the craziness we're going through on planet Earth, He's on His throne. He's not dead. He's alive and well. I spoke to Him this morning. (laughs) And He wants me to tell you that He loves you. He loves you and... uh, Thank you, Mark. Thank you for your friendship, and thank you for the executive presbytery and um, the leadership here. And to every pastor, every pastor, as I've been traveling across this nation, I've been saying to every lead pastor, uh, thank you. Thank you for not quitting. If there was ever a time for you to quit, 2020 would have been the year. You could have thrown in the towel, and perhaps no one would have ever blamed you. For just walking away from an empty building and perhaps the finances. But you did it because you realized that the calling is much, much greater than the pandemic we're going through. And I've always believed that it's not what you're going through is where you're going to that matters. And that every generation will face a pandemic or craziness, a culture or craziness. But you, you have been called by God to be a prophetic voice in a culture that's drifting. So speak the word. Speak it with conviction, amen? And so I am just thrilled to be here uh, tonight, tomorrow night with you all and to challenge you all. Tomorrow night we're gonna do something uh, different uh, when I come after I finish speaking, but prayer and fasting was the key uh, when I was pastoring in the church in Chicago. You have no other choice but to get in the throne of God. with right. all this craziness in Chicago and I'm sure here in Minnesota, uh, it's being stay, staying connected to the source. Staying connected to the source. And it's so crucial that you and I uh, continue to walk in the Spirit. We're people of the Spirit. We're Pentecostals. It's the Spirit that got us to where we're at today. And we'll continue to Uh, take us where we need to. And so for tonight, I want to talk to you about staying in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Uh, It's going to get you to the next level. How do we get from here to there? How do we get from here to there, Pastor Choco, is walking in the Spirit, being a man and a woman, no doubt of prayer, but is accompanied with the Holy Spirit. And I think some churches across America have become so in the spirit of relevancy that they have lost their sense of purpose. Um, You know, so many times in Chicago, I I was always forced to try to trade in my convictions for this liberalism that was in the city of Chicago. And I felt like the state of Israel, surrounded by so many Muslims. And I said to myself, I'm not gonna do that. I prefer to go to prison, but I'm not gonna trade in. I'm not gonna capitulate my convictions. I'm not going to do that. So you've got to be in the Spirit. You've got to walk in the Spirit. Before I get into my teaching, the last time I was in Minnesota, I don't know if they send you my pictures. If we have that, do we have that? Let me show you the pictures. Thank you for the thumbs up. Let me show you the picture of my wife. Uh, this is my lovely wife, Elizabeth. We've been married for 33 years. To the glory of God. Amen. After our 25th anniversary, I told her, I said, babe, you're stuck with me for another 25 years. So when you get mad, you go that way, and I go this way, count up to 10, and we'll meet in the living room, but we're not going anywhere, amen. But Elizabeth is a, a PK, a graduate from Missionettes. I was with the Royal Rangers and, in Chicago, and uh, loves Jesus, worship leader, led all of our campuses in Chicago, a teacher of the Bible. She's praying for you all right now as well. She is a praying woman. praying woman, I'm telling you, she's a praying woman. So she's praying for each and every one of you pastors that they would be a refreshing upon your lives as you leave out of here this week. So this is my wife Elizabeth. Elizabeth and I have three children. Let me show you my tribe. This is uh, my family. It's grown since the last time I was in Minnesota district. When Clarence, uh, Pastor Clarence brought me here and and I was in Emmanuel preaching over there. But my family has grown since then. We've got two beautiful girls. These are my two girls, the oldest one and the youngest one, to the left and to the right. They led worship at the General Council in Orlando, Florida. And, um, and uh, both of them are married. And my son back there to my left and his beautiful wife, and they're married as well. And so praise the Lord. I'm an empty nester. Glory to God in the highest. <laughs> i am not this Puerto Rican father that wants their kids to stay at home. No, you got to go. And like an arrow in my quiver. Shoot them out. Shoot them out. And uh, so and my, my, my son-in-law, my daughter-in-law, love Jesus. They're involved in ministry in Chicago and still involved in ministry in Chicago. After I left Chicago, go to Springfield. Pray for me. The Lord took me out of Chicago and took me to Springfield. Chicago. Springfield. Pizza. No pizza. <laughs> 2.8 million people. 140,000. But we, we, we are enjoying. Elizabeth and I are enjoying our assignment there in Springfield because I've always believed that understanding can wait but obedience cannot. When God calls you to do something, you obey. Even if you don't understand. Because your miracle and your blessing Is attached to a set of instructions that we must do. And we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later or tomorrow. But Elizabeth and I, we've got five grandchildren. We're living in that ministry. Look at this. This is our Christmas picture. This picture only took three seconds. I told the photographer, for the love of God, take the picture. These kids are clueless. Like telling my wife, just hold them, babe, just hold them. How many grandparents do we have in the house? Oh, isn't that beautiful? God should have given us the grandchildren first, and kept the kids or something, but let me show you Charlie Grace. This is my oldest one. She's five, loves Jesus. She loves Jesus, dances for Jesus, sings for Jesus, like her, her mama and her grandmother. Let me show you a picture of Charlie when she was in the city of Chicago. You have that picture? This is Charlie during the riots in 2020. She was feeding, giving food to police officers in the middle of a riot. Uh, This is what we taught our daughter, and my daughter's teaching our children, to be engaged in the community, that we need to be the salt in the light. When Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, you're the salt in the light of the world, that's not a compliment. It's a responsibility that we have on planet Earth, to be the salt in the light wherever he has us. And so this is Charlie Grace feeding the police officers. Let me show you my next granddaughter. I think it's Reagan. This is Reagan. Pray for me, y'all. Reagan is, she's white with blue eyes. I'm brown with brown eyes. So I told my daughter, I said, baby, when I go to Walmart, Target, you need to give me her birth certificate. (laughs) They're gonna think I stole this girl. Yeah, this is, this is, I got drama. I'm like, oh, my word. Reagan always calls me around 7, o'clock in the night or my, or my wife and will say, pray for me, pray for me, Papa. She's three years old. She believes in the power of prayer. Amen. She learned that from her mother and her mother learned that from us. Pray, pray, pray. Uh, let me show you my first grandson, James Anthony. He's going to be a piano player like his father and a golfer like his daddy. This is Charlie's little brother. Let me show you Dono. This is Reagan's little brother. He's white with blue eyes, and he's going to be a mountain climber. I've already declared that over his life. You're going to climb mountains, boy. He's climbing over everything. And then my last granddaughter, Alea Sky. This is my son's daughter. So Elizabeth and I, we live in the more of God. God has blessed us. I truly, oh, He's been faithful to me. That last song we sang, I love that song. That's like my anthem. All my life, you've been faithful. In the midst of my unfaithfulness, when I wasn't pursuing you, you were pursuing me. And even when I don't ask, you're willing to give. So I am living in the moor, serving our general superintendent, serving this fellowship in the area of finances. And, and like you, like many of you all who found out that I left Chicago to go to Springfield, at least you must have known that there was a theophany involved with that, that there's no way I'm going to leave my wife or my children, my, my five grandchildren, to go to Springfield, Missouri, unless there was a theophany, unless I saw a burning bush experience, and I saw it. I must go. If not, I become a Jonah, in the boats of these people in Chicago. And I would be the last one they're going to throw overboard. They'll throw over the secretaries, the youth pastor, the children's pastor. And I left. I said my wife, babe, we got to go to Springfield. 2019, we left with that assignment to go and help the finances of this movement, to bring healing to it, uh, to restore. Because God, listen to me, church, God is going to be particular of who he's going to bless. It's his money. He is not lacking in resources. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. He never said that the resources were few. Or that he's going bankrupt. He has a cattle on a thousand hills, y'all. So when I went to Springfield, I said to the Lord, I said, God, Why? Why, General Treasurer? There I was in the third floor. I locked the door in my office. You need to tell me. I'm at the service of the king. I'll do whatever you want me to do. But why, General Treasurer? And he says, Choco, because I can trust you with my money. When I took the church in Chicago, it was a church of $700,000 of a portfolio of assets and capital. When I left in 2019, it was $32 million of assets. In capital, to the glory of God. Yeah. And when I got to Springfield, Missouri, I said, Lord, since you can trust me with money, I need a billion dollars. Oh, amen. When you know the billion comes in, there's no way that we could have done anything like that by only God. Yeah. Yeah. So ask him as you're praying. Yeah. Right. Ask him for that building in your community. Ask him for the key of that city. Yeah. You have not because you ask not. And back in Chicago, I was knocking on heaven's door. You said, I was always holding God to his word. You said, I didn't say, your word says this. You got to deliver. And that was my prayer life. Always going before God for other people the poor, the disenfranchised, the marginalized, the prostitutes, the gangbangers. You said, And you and I have no other choice but to walk in that sense of prayer, constant prayer as men of God, as women of God. We have no other choice but to stay connected to His presence. Listen to me, church, because His presence makes the difference. Not a building. Buildings are great. Worship teams are great. But they don't make the difference. They complement But the presence of God makes the difference in your ministry. I don't care if you have a church of 40 people, or a church of 400 people, or 4,000 people. I don't care if you're a mobile church. God's presence. As the deer pants through the streams of cold water, so my soul long after thee, O God. Where are you, God? My brothers and sisters, it's his presence that makes the difference his presence. I want to talk to you about the book of Revelation for a moment. You would probably think that in a setting like this, I wouldn't talk about it. But there, I want to challenge you this evening to let you know that there are two books, if you're taking notes, two books that the devil does not want you to read. Two books. He doesn't care about the other 64. Go ahead and read them, but stay away from these two books. The first one is Genesis. He does not want you to read the book of Genesis. And the second one is the book of Revelation. Why is that, Pastor Choco? Because one gives you his entry into the world and the other one gives you his exit. The book of Revelation is an apocalyptic literature. In 2020, many people were asking me, and you perhaps, Are we experiencing an apocalypse? And what they mean is this. Are we experiencing the end of the world? And I would tell the people, I would tell the people that as believers, as Christians, we're not waiting for the destruction of the world. We're waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. That's what we're waiting for. Watch this. The word apocalypse in the Old Testament and the New Testament never means the end of the world. And yet, this is how people would have described it. And perhaps because of the movies that people have seen out of Hollywood, an apocalyptic movie. But the word apocalypse means to uncover, if you're taking notes. It's to reveal. There is no doubt that 2020 revealed some things about our leadership. In our local churches. Right. That they're not where they thought they were. Yeah. Are you with me? It means to uncover. It means to reveal. Matthew chapter 11 verse 25. And Jesus prays, I praise you Father. Lord of heaven and earth. Because you have hidden these things from the wise. And learned and have revealed them to the little children. You have apocalypse. It is the Greek word for apocalypse. Follow me, I'm going somewhere. You would say tonight, why is it so important to know? It's important to know as believers that we are waiting for the return of Jesus and he is coming back to reign on planet earth. So what we need is a change of our mindset. Change of our mindset from destruction to deliverance, from fear to faith, from the end of the world to a new beginning. 2020 revealed some things about our people. Some of our churches still are not, some of our members are still not back. They somehow made it comfortable in their home. And everywhere I go, everywhere I preach, I'm looking into the camera and I would tell members of the church, get to church. If you can go to Target and Walmart, you can go to church. Now, I know COVID is real. My mother died from COVID on May 9, 2020. So I know it's real. But I also know that the God I serve is real. And that I would tell people around America, hey, we're made out of dirt. Keep a perspective. Disease have been around for thousands of years. And the God that we serve, he sits on his throne. This was not taken back by him. From destruction to deliverance. From fear to faith. From the end of the world to the new beginning. I thank God for the book of Revelation, y'all. You hear me? I thank God for the book of Revelation. Can you imagine if the Bible ended in the book of Jude? We're in trouble. It's a discouragement. It's a rebuke. Jude is rebuking the church. It's a second generational church that Jude is rebuking. He's rebuking the leadership and the overseers of the church. It's important that we understand our role with every generation. We're not the first generation to face a pandemic and craziness in the culture. We're not the first. A church can be destroyed from the inside, but can never be destroyed from the outside. I don't care what cancer culture says. I've been trying to tell cancer culture all over, everywhere I go through the camera and Facebook, I'm saying, you can't cancel what you didn't create. And you didn't create the church. And the church of Jesus Christ will always prevail. I, New York Times, they interviewed me and they said, uh, Choco, we want, you to, we want you to tell us about what's going on in the culture. What's your opinion? I said to the New York Times, I said, For 2,000 years, the church of Jesus Christ and culture have always been in odds. Always. And that the church was never called to accommodate culture. That the church was to speak into culture prophetically. Apparently they didn't like that. But, but you and I, we were, called, we were called by God to speak into culture. Not to accommodate it. Not to deny the spirit. Our church can only be destroyed, in my opinion, from the, um, from the inside and not the outside. Jude addresses this issue with that church. A few things you should know about the book of Revelation. First of all, that the book of Revelation is about Jesus Christ. It's written in an account of a vision given to the Apostle John. You know this. You preached it. And John is in the island of Patmos. He's in quarantine. (laughs) Yes, he's too. He's out there isolated from the world. He's isolated. He's quarantined. Yet the Bible says in Revelation chapter one verse ten says this: On the Lord's day, I was in the what? Experience. Listen to me. On the Lord's day, I was in the what? Experience. I was not in my flesh. I was not in my thoughts. I'm not in my circumstances. And every one of us has circumstances. If you have a church, you have circumstances. John is saying, hey, on the day that I was quarantined, I was in the Spirit. And I heard what you hear will shape your behavior. And I heard behind me a loud what? Voice like a trumpet. OMG. John on the island, isolated, cut off from the rest of the world. So I went to Springfield 2019. Five months later, the pandemic hits. And we shut down, like all of us. We were shut down. And I said to God, I said, you have a sense of humor. Why take me out of Chicago and send me to Springfield and then shut me down? So this is my story. This was my journey in Springfield in 2020. So I let you guys into my life. So there I was in Springfield. I said, what? what's up with that? What are you doing? I mean, I know you didn't create COVID, but you allowed it. You shut down prophets and apostles. And, and, and even though the church of Jesus Christ was still going, but the physical temple across this nation. Lord, why? So this was my, why were you doing it? And I felt like, I felt like God was like my father, like a father and a mother would send their son to their room. That's how I felt like. You know what it is when you send your daughter, your son, go to your room. And don't you come out until I tell you, I want you to think about what you did or what you didn't do. So that's how I felt in Springfield, Missouri. I went to my room. I closed the door. I'm like, what did I do? I obeyed you. Why would you shut me down? So I sit in my bed, you know, like a child would do, you know. and just I'm sitting in my bed. Why would you do that? And I started looking around the room. I said, I better clean the room. Because when he comes, he's going to ask me, what did you do with all the time I gave you? So I started cleaning my heart. I started repenting. During 2020, I know many people were calling for national repentance. I was not one of them. I was looking for just an individual repentance between me and God. God, maybe I've offended you. Lord, I ask that you search me and know my thoughts. If there's any ways that are in me that's offensive to you, remove it. Maybe I wasn't the father I should be. You know, I was going through that process every day. Five in the morning, y'all, in Springfield, Missouri, cleaning my heart, calling people, repenting, asking for forgiveness. Things that I probably did and say, you know, as a pastor, you say things, you're like, oh, you're such an idiot. Just grow up. And I'm thinking, oh, Choco, you shouldn't say things like that. <laughs> anyway, I did that, and then I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going I'm to read the, the Bible. I'm going to read the entire New Testament from Matthew to Revelation. I'm going to go back to the Re- book of Acts, and I'm going to stay in the book of Acts, and I'm going to begin to dissect the book of Acts. And then I found five ripples in the book of Acts. Every time something happened and the church grew. And the church grew with knowledge and wisdom. And then it hit me, oh, God, you're not going to waste COVID. The church will grow. You're going to get people in your church that never came to your church. New people that saw you on the Internet. And then I said, okay, he's going to come. I'll make sure the room is clean. I'll make sure that I'm not a Netflix. uh, that, That I was studying the Word Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lose some weight too. I'm going to go out and I lost 23 pounds. Because when my father comes to me, he's going to ask me, what did you do with the eight months I gave you? I wanted to make sure that whatever season I'm in, that I can hear the voice of God. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. The book of Revelation is about Jesus Christ. And if you want a revelation from God while you're here these two days, we need to be in the spirit. If you want to have a vision for your church, you need to be in the spirit. Signs and wonders in your church, you must be in the spirit. God's spirit, his abiding presence, his awesome power will elevate you. His spirit will uncover. His spirit will reveal what you and I need to know. And some things we may not like it. But we need it to be a better man of God or a woman of God. You just need to know, God, what is it in my life while I'm here in this season of prayer and fasting? Just tell me, just tell me what I need to do. Now repent. It's the mechanism that God has got in place for you and I. Repentance is the mechanism. By the way, repentance is refreshing. It's positive. His abiding presence. He's going to reveal to you in the next two days some things about you. You may not like it but it's needed. Your calling is not revoked. He wants to make you better, not bitter, if you're honest. John sees a vision. John sees Jesus in a vision, and in this vision, he receives a revelation of what's to come, but he also sees what it is, a revelation of Jesus himself, which is strong encouragement of the church today. That's why I wanted to speak on that tonight, on this book of this chapter, because here we see Jesus for who he is, and Jesus, and seeing Jesus for who he is, changes everything. Look in the book of Revelation of the churches of Asia Minor. He's outside in one of the churches. Out of his own church, he's knocking on the door of his own church. Let me in. We kicked them out. We're having church without Jesus. Ah, oh, no. You know what I would tell the Lord in Chicago? If your presence is not with me, I ain't preaching. We will not have church. If your presence is not with us, we're not singing. There's no singing. Two times in the Bible we find, if you're taking notes, on the Lord's Day. On the Lord's Day. Two times does the Bible mention that something happened on the Lord's Day. The first one is the resurrection. And the second one is Revelation chapter 1. And it's awesome, y'all. It's awesome to be in the Spirit. Just Stand up in your room and stand up in your basement, wherever you are, and just begin to speak in tongues and you begin to just love the Lord. That's who we are. This is his gospel. (laughs) You do realize this is his word. I remember back in Chicago, someone came to me and says, Choco, Choco, you got your grandfather's height. The eyes that you have, they're your mother's. The nose and the lips, that's your daddy's. Your long hands, those are your brothers. And I'm thinking to myself, is there anything that I have that's mine? (laughs) Not even this gospel that I preach is mine. This is not my gospel. I'm just a messenger. On the Lord's Day, two times in the Bible, we find that it's in the Spirit. Not in your worries. Not in your thoughts, not in your budgets, but in the Spirit. Two words. Here's two words that I want to describe to you all tonight before we come to the altar. Transcendence and imminence. I'm throwing out these words to help us get a sense of what it means to be in the Spirit. Transcendence and imminence. That's the tension that our people should feel, that our members should feel on a Sunday as they seek the presence of God as a church. What do I mean by that? Let me explain. Transcendence has to do with, with the way in which the Spirit of God makes you look up and look out. Transcendence has to do with which the way the Spirit of God makes you look up and look out. I lift my eyes to the hills. And where does my help come from? It doesn't come from a stimulus package. It doesn't come from a government. My help comes from the creator of heaven and earth. Transcendence has to do in which way the spirit of God makes you, my brother and sister, look up and look out. Look up and look out. Too many Christians are looking down. Like defeated foes. Like, we, like if we lost. Hey, we win. At the end of the book, we win. When I was pastoring in Chicago, I bought me a DVR, like many of us. Back in the day, DVR, and, and I would record the Bears game. Let's just put it out there, I'm a Bears fan. And I would record the Bears game. And I would be preaching and so forth, and and our service will finish around 2.30, thereabouts, on a Sunday. And when I'm coming home, I find one of the armor bearers, and they say, are we up or down? Did we win or lose? And they're like, Pastor Choco, we won. Awesome. So I get home, and my wife is making rice and beans with some pork chops. And, and I sit in front of the TV. This is how it would look like. And, and there may be an interception that the bears throw. They just threw an interception. But it doesn't bother me. A fumble occurred. I'm like, it's all good, babe. Don't worry about it. It's called foreknowledge. We win. There may be a pandemic, there may be craziness and cancel culture, but eat your pork chops. We win. Transcendence has to do in which way you look up. Transcendence is defined this way as an experience beyond the normal physical level in the presence of God as we are right now. When we acknowledge God's presence and sovereignty, we are elevated to a new level, a new awareness of God Himself. That's transcendence. Let me show you this picture of the 16th Chapel in Rome. So Elizabeth and I we, we went there and we went to this chapel. How many been into the 16th? Yep, beautiful piece. So this is my this is my journey. So I walked into this chapel and this was what I did. Like a dude, I'm like, wow. How many scaffolds that they use to do this thing? <laughs> I mean, who did this, babe? This is crazy. Ten minutes passed by. I can't believe. And I'm looking up. Oh, look at this detail, baby. Thirty minutes passed by. I'm still looking up. If some of you here, one of you pastors would say, Choco, I'll give you a million dollars for Speed the Light. If you could tell me what type of floor the chapel has. I don't know. I never looked down. I was in awe. That's transcendence. Looking up and looking out. And I've come to your event in Minnesota to encourage you. You win. Look up and look out. He's coming. We're not waiting for the destruction of the world. We're waiting for the return of Christ. That's transcendence. Looking up. And looking out. While the word imminence is just as powerful, but much more intimate. Imminence is God within us. God indwelling. While transcendence, it's outside of us, above us, beyond us. Iminence is God with us, changing us, transforming us, holding us together. That's why Isaiah 55:9 says, "As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That is God's transcendency. That Colossians 1:17, "In him all things hold together. That's God's imminence. I told the mayor of the city of Chicago the problem in America because he asked me, he says before I left to Springfield, he asked me, what's the problem in our city? And I said, remember that you asked me, Your Honor. I said, you're the problem. You and every elected official in this nation, you think you can fix things with money. We don't have a hand problem in, in, in Chicago or the United States. What we have is a heart problem. Yeah, yeah. What we need is a metamorphosis. That's right. If we have a heart plant, we need a heart changing. Yeah. Well, only Jesus can do that, Your Honor. Right. But you don't want to hear about that. Only Jesus yeah. can change the heart of a human. Yeah. And that's what I think what happened in the island of Patmos to my brother John. He's there quarantined, he's there isolated. But he, in the middle of that, he's in the Spirit, and God reveals to him. He sees visions. Three things that come out of this. Number one, John saw Jesus as the Son of Man. The Son of Man. John hears a voice, then he turns around to see the voice. He hears a voice, and now he turns around to see the voice. And he sees someone like the Son of Man. Revelations chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Who is the Son of Man? In Daniel 7, 13, 14, Daniel also sees a vision of the Son of Man. He has given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language will worship him. His dominion is everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that would never be destroyed. And my friends here in Minnesota, you represent the kingdom of God. You're a citizen, I'm citizen of the kingdom of God. The day I accepted Jesus Christ, I put my Puerto Rican flag down and I put my American flag down. And I picked up the flag of righteousness. That's who we represent. And we cannot have an identity crisis in the midst of this craziness of culture. You got to know who you are and that your Father is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that you have authority. When you pray, you pray like you have authority. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thus saith the Lord. We don't talk like that anymore, but we should. Thus saith the Lord. You got to know who you are. I went to Burkina Faso, West Africa. I shared a story that they came to my hotel to pick me up because the king of the Modi tribe wanted to meet me. The Modi tribe is the largest tribe in West Africa, Burkina Faso. So they picked me up. They took me to the palace. I get out of the car. The guy's waiting for me. The translator's waiting for me. And he says, Pastor Choco, when we get in, I just got a couple protocols. I said, give me the protocol. What's up? He said, whatever you do, don't look at the king. Got it. I said, I don't want no drama in Africa. (laughs) What's the other protocol? There's gonna be three seats, one for you, one for the translator. You'll know which is the seat of the king. Please sit at your seat. I said, bro, I don't want drama. I'm from Chicago. I didn't say goodbye to my wife, so I don't want to die here. Tell me, I'll go. So I walked in. Look at me. I walked in. I sat in my chair. Translator comes, he sits in his chair. Music starts playing. The king is coming. I know the king is coming. Because the music started. When I came in, there was no music. (laughs) I'm like, the devil, give me some music or something. (laughs) King comes. He sits. He sits at his chair. He's sharp. I could see him from the corner of my eye, y'all, as he's walking. Sharp. White outfit. Gold trimming. A green and black crown. Sharp. I'm looking at him like this. I'm like, oh, that's sharp. I got to ask him why he got that outfit. (laughs) This is what I'm thinking to myself. So he sits down, and then something comes inside of me. And I looked at the translator, and I said, Tell your king that I'm an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, and I represent the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He looked at me, and he says, You want me to tell him what? (laughs) Tell your king that I'm an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, and I represent the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He turns around, and his morty language tells The king. Pastor Choco said that he's an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven and he represents the king of kings and the lord of lords. From the corner of my eye, y'all, I could see the king breaks protocol. He gets up. He starts walking towards me. And inside of me, I'm saying, you're dead. (laughs) Choco, why just shut up? Just why insult the guy in his own palace? He's coming toward me. I'm like, oh man, I didn't even say goodbye to Elizabeth. This is bad. And he comes towards me and he puts his hands on my shoulder and in pure English says to me, would you pray for me in Jesus' name? You cannot have an identity crisis. you got to know who you are, my brother. You've been anointed, my sister. You've been anointed to preach the gospel, to sing this gospel unapologetically. It's not your gospel. We don't have the right to change it. To soften it. When you and I walk in the spirit, we preach this gospel and it changes lives. John saw him as the son of man. Number two, he sees him as the savior of the world. John receives a revelation of Jesus as a savior. There are seven lampstands and Jesus stood among the lampstands. The lampstands represents the church and Jesus stands among your church. It's his church. Yeah. He's not unaware of what's going on in your ministry and in your budget. He just wants you to seek his face. He's not unaware. There were times in Chicago when I felt the distance from God. I, I felt like Job. I looked to the left and I looked to the right and I perceived you Now where you There were times in Chicago I would just go to my church. I would lock the church and I would stay there for five or six days uninterrupted. Like Jacob, you gotta bless me. I need to know. In his face, John saw Jesus as the Savior. And how you see Jesus matters. My friends, he's the Savior of the world, he's coming soon. Number three the sevenfold majesties of Jesus. Let me go through this quickly. The Revelations chapter 1, verse 14 through 16 describes in detail the supremacy of Jesus. Here in the physical represents the majesty, the greatness, the breathtaking power of Jesus. And John said, I saw his head. I pray that while you're here praying, you will see his head. His head and hair were like white, like wool. His hair is white, representing the wisdom His wisdom, my friends, is our security. John saw, number two, he saw his eyes. I pray that while you're praying and you're fasting that you would see the eyes of Jesus. And his eyes were like blazing fire. He sees right through you with his eyes of fire. Revelation chapter 1, verse 14b. Number three, John says, I saw his feet. His feet were like bronze glowing in the furnace. Revelation chapter 1, verse 15a. In Matthew chapter 15 and 30, and Mark chapter 3, verse 11, people would bring the lame, the paralyzed, to the feet of Jesus. That's where we should be, at his feet. It's a good place to say amen. This is the posture, in case you don't want, in case you need to know, this is the posture. That he wants from us. At least, in my con- at least in my mind. In my own journey. I would say Choco you don't have the right. To stand toe to toe with Jesus. So I come with whatever accolades. Bring it at his feet. Whatever budget I bring it at his feet. And that's what I do at the, at the general council. That's what I did as a senior pastor. I would bring my yearly budget. And I would go in prayer and I bring it at his feet. These are things I did in 19 years, y'all. Never once in the red. He always blessed us. It's his church, it's his money. I think that's where he wants us at his feet. Number four. Number four, John said his voice. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Like rushing water, his voice will outsound any voice you're hearing. Because it's important. What voices have you been listening to lately? And you know what this reminds me? Of, number four: Niagara Falls. Some of you've been there. I've been to Niagara Falls. Oh, 24/ 7, y'all. It's not like the Niagara Falls just because you know what, let me take a break. This bad boy is non-stop. It's just so intimidating. Oh, oh, oh. And then we want to get on a boat and get near it. And I'm like, why? I told my family, well, I hear it clearly right here. I don't have to get in the boat and get next to it. As crazy as was, I got in a boat and we got near the fall. I'm like, this is insane. But four reminds me of Niagara Falls. And his voice. Like rushing water. Number five, his right hand. His right hand held the seven stars. He holds the seven churches. He's holding the church in his right hand. Every church in Minnesota, he's holding in his right hand. And not even the gates of hell will prevail against his church. The church cannot be destroyed from the outside, but it can be destroyed from the inside. Number six, his mouth Coming out of his mouth is the blow of the double-edged sword, Hebrews 4.12. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Lastly, his face. John says his face. Jesus' face reveals the glory of God. No matter how difficult the problems are, no matter how bad is your budget, no matter how stressful the trials are, no matter how painful it is to pastor the church, look up, look out, look at his face, because looking at his face will change your countenance. I don't want you to miss this. One in seven, one in seven, correspond. Two and six, they correspond. Three and five, they correspond. There's only one that's left alone, which is four, which is his voice. He will have the last word. His voice. He will have the last word. Would you stand with me for a moment? Let me finish here. Let me finish here. The worship team comes up for a minute. Four times in the book of Revelation, J- Jesus tells John, write it down, write this down, write this down, write this down. And while you're in this season of prayer in these next day and a half, two days, write it down. What is God telling you? It may not make sense now, but six months down the road, He's like, I try to give you the word. I try to give you something. My voice. Write it down while you're walking and you're on a bench. Write it down. Write it down. You never know when you're going to need this. I have journals. I, I, I'm a dude. I have journal. I have no problem writing my thoughts down and thinking what God is saying. Write it down. And I will write things down. I will put the year and the date and the month, and I will just write things, and what I'm sensing that God is saying. And in a setting like this, you would bring your journal or your your Bible or some book and just, just find somewhere. Speak, God. Your servant is listening. He's speaking. You hear me? People are getting saved in the United States. Even in California. I was in California for Resurrection Sunday. I preached at a church. 79 people got baptized. In California, in the middle of a pandemic. In Fresno, California. People are getting saved. My brother, sister, preach. Be in the Spirit, not in your thoughts, not in your problems. We're people of the Spirit. Whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is telling you. Because when you're in your flesh, everything bothers you. Everything. When you're in the flesh, you're like, So, how long is this prayer and fasting event for? Two days and a half? When you're in the flesh, sound bothers you, the smoke bothers you, the worship voices bothers you. But when you're in the spirit, you're like, Oh, this is beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the sound. Come on people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shake it off. Shake it off. Whatever you came in with, shake it off. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you. Come on, I'm opening up the altars. That's you, you just wanna come and say, God, I need a revelation. I need a revelation from you. I need you to speak to me. I need you to give me a revelation for the church. I need you, Lord. I came here perhaps thinking, I'm just gonna tell my superintendent I'm done, but I need a revelation.